0: Our Bible reading this evening is taken from Daniel chapter 12 and I want to just read to you the first three verses of this chapter. Let's hear the word of God. The words will come up on the screen. If you can follow with me that will be tremendous. Better if you have your own copy of the Bible and you can read it and hear the word of God at the same time. Reading of course from the authorized version. Daniel chapter 12 verse 1. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars ever and ever. Amen, know the Lord will bless to us this short reading of his own precious and infallible word. this evening, as we continue our series of expository sermons in the book of Daniel, my text is found in Daniel chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. And my theme this evening is entitled Understanding the Doctrine of the Resurrection. Now, remember Daniel chapter 10, 11, and 12, all go together. They are dealing with the final vision of that the Lord Jesus himself gave to Daniel the prophet. Remember where Daniel is. He's in Shushan Palace in Babylon. Remember what age Daniel is. He's now an old man. He's about 90 years of age. Remember who's in charge. The Babylonian Empire is gone. Nebuchadnezzar is no more. The Medes and Persians are now in power. It's the third year of the reign of Cyrus, king of Persia. And we're talking about 533 B.C. And in that very year, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, by way of revelation, gave to Daniel this final, this long, this very detailed prophecy. And remember, it must be all read together. Chapter 10, verses 1 to 21 is the introduction. Chapter 11, 1 to verse 45, a lot of details there and chapter 12, verses 1 to 13, is the conclusion. And much of what was shown to Daniel, remember, was prophetic. It was the future. The Lord Jesus was protecting and foretelling what was going to happen to Daniel's people in the very last days. Remember the key text, Daniel chapter 10, and in the uh, verse 14, Now am I come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for the vision is yet for many days. I want you to understand tonight that for Daniel, much of what he was told was prophetic. It was the majority was for the future for Daniel. For us, as we read it now, most of it is already past, although, in the purposes of God, some of it is yet to be fulfilled. Now, we have already looked at part of this final vision, they've broken it up into constituent elements. We've thought about the long spiritual war between God and the devil, good and evil. We have thought about the battle for Israel's survival. A few weeks ago, we thought about the foreshadowing of the Antichrist. And then last week, we thought about considering or understanding the great tribulation period. We think of these key texts, um, Daniel 10 and verse 14, uh, Daniel 11 and verse 35, and some of them of understanding shall fall to try them and to purge and to make them white, even to the time of the end because it is yet for a time appointed. Verse 40, and at the time of the end shall the king of the south push at him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships, and he shall enter into the countries and shall overflow and pass over. And then think of the words in Daniel 12 verse 1, and at that time, Shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people? And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. You see, the final Antichrist will make a covenant. With the leaders of Israel. That will fulfill Daniel's 70th week. Daniel 9 and 27. And around that time and prior to it. Will be the revising of the old Roman Empire. The ten-toed kingdom will be in place. Israel will be back in their own land. They will be a nation again. They'll be back to stay remember they were not a nation from 586 BC until 1948 AD. And the United Nations or any other country will be unable to remove them. And we're told that they're going to face a time of great tribulation. That's what Daniel 12 and 1 teaches. That's what it's also about. There's other verses, of course, that back it up. A time of trouble that's unparalleled in the world, that centers in the Middle East. And that time of trouble will begin in earnest when the Antichrist breaks his covenant with the leaders of Israel and sets up the abomination of desolation in the newly rebuilt temple at Jerusalem. And in that time of great suffering and death and unparalleled persecution of Israel, when the world seems against them, we're told that Michael, the great archangel, will stand up for Israel at that time. And in that day, and toward the end of that day, Jesus Christ will return in power and glory. And in that day, all Israel will be saved. And the Spirit of God teaches us something else. And this is what he teaches us, that the dead saints are going to be raised up in resurrection glory. And they're going to be rewarded. And this is the hope that's sure and steadfast of the whole Christian church. Now remember, this is the Lord Jesus speaking to Daniel. And he's telling him what will be at the end. And he's telling Daniel about deliverance to come. And he's telling Daniel about those whose names are in the book of life. That's a reference to the Lamb's book of life. The names of all the elect of God. And not just of ancient Israel, but every converted Jew, every converted Gentile. Daniel, your people are going to be delivered. And that deliverance will be complete, that deliverance will be final, and that deliverance will result in the great day of resurrection, the the first resurrection of the dead. And Christ is adding to all that he says about the end of time. Here's another part of this final vision understand the doctrine of the resurrection. Not only the deliverance of the people, not only the destruction of the final antichrist, but at the coming of Christ, At the end of the tribulation period, the tribulation of the saints, when it will come to the end, and antichrist is cast into the bottomless pit and God's people are delivered. In that day, Christ talked about the doctrine of the resurrection. He brought it into view. He brought it into sharp focus. And that's what's being addressed here in verses 2 and verse 3. And every one of us Every soul in the journey of life is brought into view here because these verses have a bearing on you and a bearing on me. Listen to the words again over there in Daniel chapter 12 and 2. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and forever. Now as you look at the book tonight, I want you to think of three things as we try to understand the doctrine of the resurrection. I want you to think first of all of the prediction of the resurrection. These two verses, as I have meditated upon them, bring every soul to the very threshold of God's eternity. You've got to think of life on earth. Think of a living soul, and then that living soul dies, and the body, it sleeps in the dust of the earth, and then comes the resurrection of the body, bodily resurrection, and what follows then is a reward for faithful service. That's what verse 3 is all about, the soul winner's joy, and crown. The the wise ones, the soul winners, they will shine as the stars forever and ever. This is the end of time. The days of great tribulation have come to an end. There's been the downfall of the final Antichrist. He, along with the false prophet and the devil, have been thrown into the bottomless pit. Jesus Christ has come back to this earth in power and glory. And what follows then is the resurrection of the saints. So I see it then, in a sense, as being on the very threshold of God's eternity. Now, think of a truth here, the truth of the resurrection. See, I want to let the Bible speak tonight The Bible says here in verse 2, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. We're going to pause here. I, I want you to think of a specimen or a few specimen references. Over there as we let the Bible speak in Job chapter 19, we read this in verse 25. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in thy flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. And over in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 16, it was the psalmist who said this, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, Neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand they are pleasures forevermore. In Psalm 17, verse 15, we read, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Let's come to the New Testament. In the New Testament, we read very clearly, in John chapter 5, here's the Lord Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says in John chapter 5, and in the uh, verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, and believeth in him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. If we can write down the end of verse 28, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. And if we come over then again in the Bible to the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 5 and 6, we read, But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him A thousand years. Now, there are only specimen references. I could add in a reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verses 50 through to 58. We could read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. You see, the doctrine of the bodily resurrection of the dead, of all who die in Christ, is taught in the Bible. That's the truth that's in view here. Think also of the terms that's in view here in this prediction of the resurrection. Many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth. You see, this is a reference to men that once lived, to men who have died, and to men whose bodies are buried in the ground. Dead men are going to live again. Over there in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 26, and in the verse at 19, we read these words. Thy dead men shall live, together with my dead body shall they arise. Awake and sing ye that dwell in dust, for thy dew is as the dust of the herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. The dust of the earth is a reference to the dust of the ground, literally the ground of dust. It's a reference that brings us back to Genesis 2 and in the verse 7. And what do we read in Genesis 2 and verse 7? And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And also in chapter 3 verse 19 we read these words. In the sweat of thy face shall thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art and unto dust shalt thou return. You see, the body of man goes back to dust. He dies. His body is buried in the ground. It returns to dust. And even if the body was cremated, even if it was eaten by a shark, even if it was buried in ice, it will return to dust. It's a reference to the physical decay and decomposition of the body of man. And over there in the book of Job, and Job um, 21, and in the verse 26, we read these words. They shall lie down alike in the dust, and the worms shall cover them. There's the solemn reality of death. Don't treat death lightly. Don't treat death frivolously. All men alike, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, religious, irreligious, one day we will die. One day we'll be taken from this scene of time. Remember what the Apostle Paul says in Hebrews chapter 9 and in the verse 27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. It's important that you see that. There's the reference to the dust of the earth. If you look again at Daniel, it mentions the words, and many of them that sleep. So let's think of the word sleep. That's a reference to the state of death. When death comes, all physical earthly activity ceases. There's no speech from the corpse. There's no response of the corpse, no movement from the corpse. All that belongs to that corpse's earthly life is gone. The body lies in the grave or in the casket Physical death is a cessation of all their activity And that's true of the saved and the unsaved Now it does not mean that they have actually ceased to exist We totally reject the doctrine of soul sleep The Bible teaches that when men die Their soul leaves the body That's what death is and the body, of course, goes into the ground. But a soul lives on. The soul doesn't cease to be. The soul doesn't cease to exist. That may illustrate, think of a person who uh, falls asleep. They go to bed at night. They're in a sound sleep. They haven't ceased to be. When they're sleeping in bed, they've stopped all their activity. But they're still alive. Their actual existence hasn't ceased. If you want proof, think of 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8, where Paul says, absent from the body and present with the Lord. It means the body was in the earth. The body was in the casket, but the soul goes to be with the Lord. And there's 19 references in the Bible to men giving up the ghost. That's what death is. It's the soul leaving the body. In the Gospel of Luke, we have the story of the rich man, who died. And the Bible says in Luke 16 verse 22 and verse 23 that he was buried and in hell lift up his eyes being in torment. Think of that rich man and his lifestyle. Think of his death, the pomp, the ceremony, the nice speeches that were being said about him. His life is now over. The day of riches has come to an end. The lavish lifestyle has ceased in all his pride. In all his arrogance, in all his misery, in all his unmercifulness toward Lazarus the beggar who laid his gate. And what do we read? The rich man died and was buried and in hell lift up his eyes, being in torment. You think of the horror of a soul in hell tonight for all eternity with no escape. Weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, a place of outer darkness, a, a place of pain and torment, a, a place of fearful memories. Think of a third term, the word awake. It says, in many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. See, after the body has been laying in the ground for centuries, decades, years, that body is going to be awakened. Hi, The soul will return to that body. The soul will be reunited with that body. It's the presence of the soul that gives life to the body. It was true then. It's true now. The body without the spirit, James says in chapter 2, verse 26, is dead. Remember when God made Adam? How did he make him out of the dust of the ground? Even the children know that. You think of a human body, a body that was formed by the handiwork of God, and yet that body was lifeless. That body was without form and void. That that, that body was a lifeless corpse in that sense. And the Bible says, and God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And what did man become? He became a living soul. And you've got to think of a soul dwelling in a human body. That's the real you. And then you've got to think of a soul re-entering that body, giving life to the body. And, of course, there's clear illustrations of this in the Scriptures. Think of the widow of Zarephath's son, the widow who sustained Elijah in, in the days of the famine. The soul of the child, the Bible says, came into him again. See, that's important. Because we want to counter the heresy of the cults who teach it's the soul that sleeps. It's not the soul that sleeps. It's the body by the cessation of all activity. But, but existence continues because it's the soul that leaves the body and goes out into God's eternity and will live as long as God lives, either with God in heaven or with the devil in hell. There's no such doctrine as soul sleep in the Bible. I want you to think of another term, the term manae. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Why does it not say all? How do we to understand this? The Lord Jesus said all in John chapter five and verse 28 that I've already read to you that He instructed His disciples with. Remember it's the same Lord Jesus that's speaking to Daniel as he speaks to his disciples? And he says marvel not at this for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. He's the same one that's speaking here to Daniel. You see the word many that's used here is not used to suggest some. Not used to success, suggest that some are excluded. It's a Hebraism and it's a way of referencing a great number. A number that in. Uncalculable ill. A number that's a great multitude. Yes, all that will rise, but it will be a multitude that no man can number, no man can count. See, the Lord Jesus is not contradicting himself. So here's the prediction of the resurrection. There's a great truth here. But the, these terms I, I've tried to explain and explain from the Bible. I want you to see something else that's important. The proclamation of the resurrection. If you look again at the text, it says, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now you've got to think of these words inside the framework of the second coming of Jesus Christ to this earth. You've got to think of this great tribulation period. You've got to think about the the rise and the fall of the final Antichrist. You've got to think of Christ coming to deliver his elect people. And then what follows is the resurrection of the saints. The name of all that are in the Lamb's book of life. That's the first resurrection. Blessed is he that is a part in the first resurrection. It's a resurrection unto life. Revelation 20 verse 6. Remember tonight the second coming is a redemptive act of Jesus Christ. It too belongs to the work of our Lord Jesus Christ as God's prophet, priest, and king. It too belongs to his great redemptive work as our redeemer. See, it's not just the cross that's redemptive. It's the whole of Christ's life. His incarnation was a redemptive act. His sinless life was a redemptive act. He kept the law of God perfectly for us. His crucifixion was a redemptive act. He finished the work that God the Father gave him to do. Remember his cry, it is done, it is finished. Not I am finished, it is finished. His resurrection is a redemptive act. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain. And he lives forever with the saints that reign. His life of intercession. As he prays for us in heaven. To be gathered home to himself. That's redemptive. And oh that you would understand. That his visible return to this earth. In power and glory. Is also a redemptive act. You see it's all redemptive. Remember what we read in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3. And in the uh, verse 15. The first gospel promise. You see all this was foretold. By God himself. And this is what God says. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head. And thou shalt bruise his heel. And the seed of the woman is none other than our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's all redemptive. And here's the uh, final act of that redemptive work. Not only the return of Christ to destroy the Antichrist and cast him and the false prophet and the devil into the bottomless pit. Not only to set up his millennial reign, but to usher in the resurrection of the saints. You you think of this. Not only deliverance from the man of sin. Not only deliverance during the great tribulation period. Not only deliverance from the grave. And that deliverance is unto bodily redemption unto salvation. Isn't this what the Apostle Paul talked about there in Hebrews chapter 9? We've already read from Hebrews 9 and verse 27. Uh, But listen again to these words, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. You see, This is not a remote subject. This subject cannot be divorced from all of Christ's redemptive work or redemptive acts. Christ is going to reign and rule and triumph in power and glory. And that time of great trouble will be brought to an end. And in that day, the Lord is going to raise up his people. Can it be clearer? It couldn't be any plainer. You see, tonight, I don't believe the church will be raptured before the great tribulation period. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ will go through the tribulation period. How could you be delivered from something that you're not in? And near the end of the tribulation period, I believe the day of the Lord will be brought in. The world, as the Bible says, the sun, moon, and stars are going to go dark. Uh, uh, Think of the enormity of that event It's As if the whole lights of the world are switched out The solemnity of it, the reality of it And then what's going to happen? Well look at Matthew chapter 24 And we read there in verse 24 and uh, verse 29 And in the uh, verse 30 Uh, Listen to these words Uh, Matthew 24 uh, and verse um, 29 and, and verse 30 Uh, Tremendous words Immediately after the tribulation of those days Shall the sun be darkened And the moon shall not give her light And the stars shall fall from heaven And the powers of the heavens shall be shaken So the world's going to go dark And then look at verse 30 And then at that moment in time Shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven And then all And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and glory and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other it is not tremendous what's going to happen the resurrection of the dead saints the sound of the trumpet when Jesus comes. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16. There's going to be the shout of the archangel and the sound of the trumpet. Doesn't that tie into what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 50 to 58? We shall not all sleep. Meaning that we're not all going to die. But we should all be changed. How? In a moment. It doesn't say at any moment. It says in a moment. I don't believe in any moment rapture. But in a moment... In the twinkling of an eye, just as as quick as you could blink, in the last day, a marvelous day, a memorial day, a day when we'll meet the king in new resurrected bodies and we'll be with the king forever. And where the king is, we will be. Is it any wonder it says, Blessed is he that is part in the first resurrection? There's not only the prediction of the resurrection, but there's a proclamation of the resurrection in the context. But notice one final thing the production of the resurrection. If you look again at Daniel 12, verses 2 and 3, you'll notice here's what it produces it produces a division. There's two groups of people, there's two companies, there's true believers. Some to everlasting life. There's non-believers. And some to shame and everlasting contempt. It makes reference in verse 3. And they that be wise. So there's a category of those that are wise in this earth. Wise in relation to the things of God. That's the saved. And there are those that are foolish. That's the unsaved. You, You think of the word shame here. And everlasting contempt Do you know Whenever someone is found out In some sin or some crime There's a sense of shame comes upon them And here's the tragedy Of all tragedies What a tragedy To be found out in that day That you have no partner Lot in the first resurrection And your resurrection Is a resurrection unto damnation And for you it will be Fearful words. Words that the Lord Jesus will say, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, in enter an everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You see, this impacts upon every one of us, every man, woman, child, every boy and girl. Let the searchlight of the Word of God you see, there's a tragedy of those who live and die in their sins. Jesus said, Where I am, there you cannot be. Which group are you? In which category are you? Are you a true believer tonight? Or are you still an unbeliever? Are you among the saved? Or are you still among the unsaved? Are you wise or foolish in relation to the things of God? Notice not only a division here, but there's a destiny here. Everlasting life contrasted with everlasting damnation and content. What does that depend on? It depends on your attitude to Jesus Christ. Your reception or your rejection of him. Remember he says in John chapter 1, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Didn't Pilate ask the question, What shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? And you've got a choice. You've got a responsibility to receive him as he's been revealed to you in the gospel or to refuse him, to reject him, to live for sin, to live for self and allow God to bring you into the judgment and and for you to die in your sins and end up in that awful place that the Bible calls hell. Doesn't the Bible say the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God? It not only produces a division and a destiny, but it produces a distinction here. There's valuable instruction for us. Notice these words, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. The word wise in the margin means teachers, it's a reference, I believe, to those that teach souls about the way of salvation, teach souls about repentance and the reception of Christ. It's really a reference to the soul one there. Think of the words, turning many to righteousness. Not only one soul, but think of turning thousands of souls to Jesus Christ under the power of the Word of God. You see, here's the view The individual's now living with eternity in mind. Learning to prioritize. Learning to evaluate one's life. This person's got a different view of life than many. A different view of death than many. A different view of eternity. And in their teaching, and in their telling, they're talking about the way of salvation. And salvation, remember, is a turning... uh, To a righteousness that's found in Jesus Christ. And it's not the public testimony of many. It's not the um, testimony of the child of God. I I heard about Jesus Christ, the living word. And I turned to him. And I have received him. And he's now my Lord. And and now my redeemer. and 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 I'm one of his true followers. See, such a person is designated with this Um, Adjective as being wise There's many tonight who are not wise In relation to the things of God Many tonight like Saul Who have to say I have played the fool Isn't there many professing Christians tonight Who are playing the foolish game Who have to say before the Lord I haven't done the right thing I'm in a cold, I'm in a backslidden state. I've been foolish with my life. I've gotten away from the Lord. I've done things that are wrong. Well, what should I do, preacher? Oh, the right thing to do is to turn to the Lord. Turn to him now. You see, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Are you a soul winner tonight in your family, among your friends, your neighbors, for your community, for your country? Are you praying tonight for a loved one to be saved? Praying for a loved one to be restored? I I want to say to you, pray on. I, I know people that have prayed for years for their husbands to be saved. I think of one woman in Coleray and prayed for 26 years for her husband to be saved. And Margaret prayed on and prayed on and God answered prayer. And after 26 years, her husband Jack came to the Lord. Have you such a passion for souls? I remember a man who used to come to this church. And I know... From the testimony of others that he in the early days In the ministry of the late Dr. Paisley In the martyr's memorial He used to invite five and six every night And pack his car out to go and hear the late Dr. Paisley preach With the anointing of the Spirit And that man did a marvellous work for God And as Dr. Paisley preached with the anointing of God Many of those souls came to faith in Christ You see if you're wise tonight You'll have a proper view of life. You'll have a proper view of death. You'll have a proper view of eternity. And if you're wise tonight, you will seek out the sinner. And you will want to instruct that sinner so that that sinner will be converted to Christ, so that that sinner will turn and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Isn't that what two of John's disciples did? They heard John say, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. One of them was Andrew. What did Andrew do? He findeth his own brother, Peter. Andrew led Peter to the Lord. Peter got saved. And while Andrew had led Peter to the Lord, and that was one soul, Peter in turn, after his conversion, led thousands to the Lord, three thousand under his ministry in the day of Pentecost. Think of Philip finding Nathaniel. That was his first action. After he got saved, he became a soul winner. And what was his final action? Not the last reference to Philip, but his final act in the Bible. Acts chapter 8, verse 35. He led an Ethiopian eunuch, a dark skinned man, to saving faith in Christ. He pointed him to the Lamb of God. And what do we read here in the scriptures? And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. They that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Oh, how many of our young people want to be stars? Think of the earthly glory of a star. The fame and the fortune, the Hollywood lights. But I want to tell you behind that, you've got a scene and a culture of drugs and drink. Suicide. Many of them have died early. You see, the fame that they've lived for hasn't lasted. But there's a heavenly glory. There's a different star. Not the star of the world, the star of the word. And you can be a star for Christ. And in that day of resurrection, you'll be greatly rewarded. That's the distinction that's here. That's the production of the resurrection. And I ask in closing... In which category and class are you tonight? What's your destiny? Is it eternal life? Eternal damnation? And will you be designated as one of the wise teachers by the Lord Jesus? You'll be a star for Christ in the whole of eternity. Because you've sought to point many to Christ. May the Lord bless his word tonight. Thank you for listening. And I pray the Lord will richly bless your soul. And if we can be of any help and point you to Christ or help you in any way, then please feel free to contact us at that time.